I am so happy that you're able to join us for this extended interview. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get more killer resources. Hey everyone, thank you so much for joining us for this extended interview. I'm here with Elena. Hi Elena, how are you? Hi, baby. I'm fine. How are you? I'm great. So before we get to your tips and tricks on how to do slow travel full-time, can you give us a little bit more background about you and why you live in offbeat life? So I'm full-time traveler and uh, I've been doing it for the seven years by now. Story of my previous life is pretty generic. I was in IT industry for about 12 years and worked from webmaster to up to director of web operations. And at some point just decided that, well, I probably better with um, starting my own business. And with this came the idea that my business not necessarily needs to be in one place, I can take it on the road. Uh, Luckily, my husband shares my ideas and we both love to travel. So that's how we decided that um, with our small IT consultant, we can actually live on the road. And that's how we became digital nomads. Now, how did you prepare to start slow traveling instead of just being tourists in different countries? Oh, it's been a long time because by (laughs) now, actually, it became, it's actually quite interesting. By now, it became such a sort of, I'm so used to it that changing countries doesn't matter to a certain extent. I'm still doing research, but it comes naturally. But in the beginning, it was literally a lot of um, actually research first, And along that, with some fears about concerns about things which never materialized, but some things which I didn't research. But essentially, it was, um, well, as usual, just, you know, selling the stuff back home and getting ready for just full-time traveling. Uh, and along with that came uh, the well, setting up what there are a few things which are really important when you're becoming a digital nomad. You need to think about, like, for example, what your virtual address would be, because you still have to have address in your home country just for get some correspondence or whatever. And that requires some setup before you travel. Uh, banking requires again some setup and depends actually on the country and right now it is easier and actually one thing which i can recommend this transfer wise works very well it seems like it's probably the best banking option uh, for digital nomads these days because no matter in which country you are you have very smooth banking operation Another thing, actually, not to forget, one of uh, important things that if you're planning to drive around the world, you need to get uh, what's called international driving permit, which a lot of people overlook. Some countries are very particular about that. So, and this is much easier to do while you are still at home than trying to do it when you are abroad. 
How long does it usually take to get the international driving license? Does it take a few weeks? If you're doing it in your country, it literally between, it can, if you like it, it can be just one visit, one day, or it can be between a week and two weeks if you're doing it by mail. Because depending, again, on your location, uh, for example, in the United States, there are just two authorities which can do it. It's AAA and oh, another organization which I forgot. It's quite obscure organization. So if you live in a place where they don't have offices, you would have to mail to them. So it might take about two weeks, the worst case scenario, just because how mailing works. Now, you talked about banking and you use TransferWise, yes? Yes. Mm -hmm. And is that also how you receive your payment from your clients when you're on the road as well? Yes, actually, this is the uh, most convenient um, and that's why I'm so excited about TransferWise because the way it operates, even if you have a lot of international clients, if your client, let's say, in uh, UK, you can receive, it, it looks like it's a local payment, so you receive it in pounds. And if your client is in Australia, you receive payment in Australian dollars. And then uh, you can convert it, depends, like we are Americans, so we're converting it into US dollars. It's all seamless, and there is no, it doesn't require wire transfer where you're actually losing quite a lot of money. So now, Elena, when you first are preparing to go to these different destinations, how do you find the places to live in? That's actually a very good question because I'm a big proponent of Airbnb. I know that some people have some hard feelings about that or they are skeptical. We, you know, like knock on wood, we had extremely, uh, actually, fantastic experience with Airbnb, and I honestly think that we sometimes we wouldn't be able to actually travel to some destinations if Airbnb didn't exist. And the reason for that is actually it's interesting when I am in Vietnam and my next step in Morocco. How do I know that the place actually, even if I'm talking with the person in Morocco, if I can, sometimes I can't, how do I know that place actually exists? Because Airbnb does have this, it acts as an intermediary, so there is some assurance that I, at least I won't lose my money. So I do love this peace of mind which uh, Airbnb does, uh, gives me. And also, we a uh, couple of times we run into some issues, like in Costa Rica, our place was flooded, which mm. was obviously not very pleasant, especially in, the, in a small village where people were very busy with their own troubles and we really didn't know what to do. And actually, Airbnb did help us. It's always good to have that peace of mind and an insurance so that you know that you're protected, especially when you're in a different location. That could be the hardest thing because you don't know anybody there and it's hard for you to be comfortable in that type of situation. Now, Elena, when you are 
in your destination, how long would you typically suggest somebody stay in that location, especially if you're going to have to start looking for a visa? One thing which I sort of very sad about is uh, we cannot go to China. And the reason for that is that uh, to get Chinese visa, you need to be in the country, in your native country. So for us to get this visa, we need to go back to the United States. So it's a huge inconvenience. We actually haven't been (laughs) back in the U.S. for a very long time. But you cannot get visa in any other country. It needs to be your native country. So there are some countries like this. There are just a few of them, but they require this. Then there are countries where some, um, like, you cannot do it um, online, because some countries right now allow to actually apply and get visa online. Like uh, with um, Australia, it's this um, e-visa, I think it's called, or something, but you can do it just from your laptop. With uh, Vietnam, you can also do it to to get this uh, letter, which you need to have to enter in country to get visa. Again, you can do it online. But some countries require actually going to consulate or embassy. And in this case, it's, um, you know, inconveniences about finding actual embassy or consulate within your reach, or you need to fly somewhere. So it really depends. It it takes, uh, it's, it's, Country to country, I, I, I think yeah. there is no, you know, it just, you definitely need to do some research. Like you said, every country is different. Yes, and actually one interesting and important question, which we learned in South America, that especially in South America, uh, some countries, they do require some vaccination. Mm. They wouldn't allow you to enter or wouldn't issue you a visa if you don't have enough uh, vaccinations. And some vaccinations actually take some time. You cannot do it, you know, immediately. So that's also important to always check what about, what are requirements to actually enter in a country. Yeah, that is always good to know because you don't want to go there and then all of a sudden you can't stay in the country because you overlooked that information and that's a huge thing. Yes, exactly. And it's quite unpleasant when you, you know, ready to board your flight and somehow you figure out, oops, <laughs> my, my whole plan is just went out in flames just because... Some other sites. Yeah, it's quite unpleasant. Now, Elena, if our listeners want to know more about you, where can they find you? Travelandbytes.com is the best place to find me. I'm always there, always online. We are also on social media, and you can find uh, links to our Twitter and uh, Facebook group from Travelandbytes.com. Perfect. Thank you so much, Elena, for giving us all of these amazing tips on how to do slow travel. I really appreciate it. Okay, and thank you, Debbie, for having me. I hope you enjoyed this extended interview with Elena. Make sure to visit theoffbeatlife.com. Again, that's theoffbeatlife.com to get the full interview with Elena where she shares how she's left the American dream to work on the road full time.